And at this session, we're dealing with a girl who was trapped in the web of a spider, as we might say. We shall call her name Sue. Sue was a girl in her late teens. She was working for an industrialist, a married man. Uh, let me give you a little of the background of Sue's mother. Sue's mother, Carol, was in very poor financial circumstances. We have known Carol, her mother, for many years, probably 20 or more years. She was a beautiful character, really loved the Lord, but her husband was a drunkard. And after finally he rejected his family and went out and became a drunken sot, Carol, of all things, still went to him and shared with him from her little meager fare as only a, a, a child of God could do. Now, Sue was working for this industrialist and, and he told her that he wanted to marry her. He was fabulously wealthy. He had some very outstanding stores in that city. And he, and he began to make love to Sue. And while she retained her purity up to that point, she was impressed by him because he was so kind to her and he gave her so many gifts. And then in addition to that, he said, Sue, if you'll marry me, your mother will never want for anything. And that impressed Sue very much because she loved her mother with all her heart. You know, uh, you have a mother. <laughs> and can't you imagine how Sue's heart went out to her mother? Oh my, I'd like my mother to be able somehow to manage without just killing herself. Her mother was, was trying to work the, uh, Sue's way through school as much as she could with all the other debts that she had and then supporting her drunken sod of a husband. And you know, so Sue was impressed. And as the days came and went, you know what happened. Sue decided that she would marry this man. But Sue had a promise-claiming aunt. <laughs> and we'll call her name Naomi. <laughs> and Naomi chose another lady, and we'll call her name Mrs. Eastland. She chose, a, chose another lady like you would choose this sister, see? And they would meet often, not merely once a week. They met because the crisis was so acute. They would meet, and they'd open the Bible, and they'd claim Bible promises that the Lord would help Sue not to be captured by this sensuous, greedy, horrible man. But as they claimed the promises, just like uh, it happens with most of us, they claimed the promises every week, week after week, for months. No sign of any change. Now, what are you going to do? What would you do, sister, if you claimed a promise for a young person or anybody? Week after week, even in a little prayer group, you're claiming these promises week after week, and you see no sign of a change at all. What would you do? I'll tell you what you'd do. You'd keep right on claiming God's promises. Just like, just like these brothers. Do you have a garden? All right, when you plant something in the garden, it doesn't come up the next day, does it? You can't even see the apple tree. You can't even see the pumpkin, <laughs> just the pumpkin seed. You put it down in the soil and you hide it there. 
And the fact it doesn't come up the first day doesn't embarrass you at all. You say, it's coming up because there's a pumpkin in that seed, right? So, so Naomi and Mrs. Eastland kept praying week after week, month after month. Now, after several months, brother, don't you think they ought to get discouraged and say, okay, God isn't answering anyway. I'm just going to forget it. What do you say? It's easy to do. It's easy to do. You're right. But though it's easy to do, let me ask someone over here. Though it's an easy thing to do, can you grow an oak tree in overnight or in even three weeks? If you're going to grow an oak tree, it takes quite a while, doesn't it? So what would you do if you're praying for someone and you see no answers at all? What will you do? Wait and keep right on claiming God's promises. That's right. Because he will not fail in the end. They kept on, they kept on, they kept on. Not one sign of a change. Nothing. Now, when you see, sister, you see no sign of a change at all, you'll go to church, and while you're in church, you'll meet somebody else, and you'll say, God isn't answering my prayers at all. I've been praying for, for months. I see no sign at all. Isn't that what you'd say? No. You'd say, I know God will not break his word. Amen. I don't have to see all the answers right away. And that's what happened to Naomi and, and Grandma Eastland. That's what happened. As they continued praying and praying, one day somebody said to, uh, to Naomi, have you heard what's happened? No, what have we, what's happened? They said, uh, this man wanted to buy Sue a $4,000 coat. And Sue wouldn't accept it. What would that mean to you if you'd been praying for somebody that, they'd, that the Lord would, would deliver them from this bondage of infatuation and you heard finally that they wouldn't accept that gift from this man? What would you begin to think? I believe that I was seeing the working of the Lord. You'd begin to see. Now this little seed just begins to come, just, just tucking its head out of the soil. And you say, oh, wonderful, wonderful. I, yes, that's it. That's the seed I planted. And Naomi and her and grandmother Eastland began to rejoice. They said, Lord, you are answering. We were telling you before that you're answering, but Lord, there's no doubt about it. We can see it just tucking, tucking its head out. Now, something else happened. I'm going to ask someone here. Let me see. How about, are you a little scared? <laughs> All right. Now, now that there's some sign, just a tiny sign, or even before there was a tiny sign, would you think that Naomi should, should go to Sue and say, Sue, do you realize that terrible thing that's going to happen to you? No. Because if she did, she could do what? She could damage it. That's right. She could damage it. She could drive her right into the very thing that she's trying to prevent. And Naomi had the ability the connection with the Lord to say, Lord, give me strength now to keep my, my mouth zipped, <laughs> closed. Help me not to make one suggestion to sue at all. Not one suggestion. Isn't that tremendous? Because you know, when you see somebody that's liable to ruin his life forever, you want to do what, brother? Jump in and help. You want to jump in and help. Oh, do you realize what you're doing? There's a red light ahead, you know? <laughs> Isn't that what we'd naturally do? And the Lord, the, the biggest thing the Lord did for Naomi 
was to keep her big mouth shut when she talked to Sue and keep her mouth open when she talked to the Lord. <laughs> That's it. Keep that mouth open when we talk to the Lord. Keep that mouth closed when we start thinking we've got to tell people and tell people what to do. The law of choice means don't tell anybody anything to do, any adult, unless what? Unless that adult wants to know. <laughs> you know, I, I, often, I often tell this story. I say, a man, <clears throat> a man comes to me and he said, but I'm the head of my wife. Now, for instance, we're turning from Sue a minute. And I'm supposed to manage my home and I'm supposed to tell my wife what to do. Right? Not exactly, right? <laughs> Not exactly. And I'll turn to him and I said, uh, I'll say, look, don't you boss your wife. But he said, the Bible says I'm the head of her. I said, well, but it doesn't say to be the blockhead. <laughs> to block her choices. He said, well, oh, is that right? That's right. Then sometimes some lady will come, not like you, but some lady will come and say, you know, I just have to tell my husband what to do. I have to do it. And then I'll say, did you hear just what I told the man? Yes, I thought that was good for the man, but I have to tell my husband what to do. And I'll say, don't tell your husband what to do, even if, even if he puts his socks in the frying pan. Don't say a word. If you don't say one word, and you just keep from saying a word, the socks will convey their own message. <laughs> then it's between him and the socks. But if you get ahead of the socks, it'll be between you and him. <laughs> one, one lady that heard that, she came out of the meeting at the close, and I heard her saying, all right, I won't say anything to my husband, but he better not put his socks in my frying pan. <laughs> we prayed a prayer at the beginning of this study. Lord, help us to put into practice what we're learning. To my mind, one of the most outstanding things that Naomi did was not to tell her niece what to do. This is tremendous. You know, for some reason, I find thousands upon thousands of Christians who think it's their duty to tell other people what to do. Did any of you ever meet them? They think, I've just got to tell them what to do. Uh, and a lot of people say, you know, I met a stranger and I just had to tell them the truth, quote unquote. I had to do it because I thought I'd never see them again. I said, if you do, you may never see them again. So don't go around telling adults what to do. Don't tell teenagers what to do. Keep it as, as low as you can. This is what Naomi did. But she came to the Lord and she claimed his promise. Now, here's a question that often comes in. And I think I will ask, I'll ask you. Do you mind? All right. Do you think that when she was asking the Lord to save Sue, do you think that she was trying by that prayer to force Sue? No, not at all. That's not giving Sue choice. She wasn't trying to force her. Uh, some people will say to me, they'll say, uh, if you pray and claim a promise for a backslider, and you say, Lord, I ask you to save that backslider. I believe you're doing it. Thank you, you're doing it. They say, you're forcing their will. I said, oh, no. They said, but you're telling the Lord to save a backslider. I said, but you know what? I have never yet seen a backslider who's come to me and said, Pastor Coon, I can hardly wait to get into hellfire. Backsliders don't choose hellfire, do they? No, no. So when I pray for the salvation of backslider, I'm not praying against their will. Backsliders don't want hellfire. 
They want to be happy. And that's what Sue wanted. Sue wanted to be happy. And she wanted to help her dear mommy. And so both Grandma Eastland and also her Aunt Neoma said nothing whatsoever, even after they learned about how she rejected that coat. Oh, you know what they'd like to say? Sue, I've heard good news. I'm glad you've rejected that coat. Keep it up, Sue. Keep it up. Now, no, 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 no. They didn't say one thing. One day, Sue came into Aunt Naomi's house. She said, Aunt Naomi, she said, I have a terrible problem. Naomi said, what is it, Sue? She said, I've met a beautiful young man, and he's asked me for a date, and I can't give him the date because I'm engaged to this industrialist. Then Naomi said, then Naomi said Sue, we have been praying for you for, year, for, for many, many months. God is answering our prayer. He's releasing you from the industrialist. But I promised him that I'd marry him. That's all right. You made a promise that you shouldn't have made because he's a married man. You don't have to keep that promise. The Lord will take care of you. He will guide you. Next thing they heard, she was having dates with Roy. You know the answer. Roy was, was a pre-dental student. Later, he went to Loma Linda University. He took the course in dentistry. He and Sue were married. But going back a bit, when this industrialist realized that he was beginning to lose Sue, he began to give her gifts. He sent her all kinds of gifts. Now, what would you do? What would you do? Let's see, what would you do after you make a decision and somebody keeps pressing you? What would you do? Would you accept those gifts? Not, not at all. Sue sent every gift back, every single gift. He'd send more gifts. When Christmas time came, he sent her the candy and he sent her all kinds of gifts. Expensive ones too, not just little sugar drops. Sue sent them all back. She wrote him. She said, I'm sorry. I can not marry you. I've cut it off completely. I cannot do it. Now, something else happened. When the industrialist saw that he couldn't capture Sue, her mother, Carol, who's working for him, said to Naomi, she said, you know what I think? I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my job. She said, he is coming to the conclusion that he can't get Sue, and I'm afraid he's going to take it on, out on me. Several weeks passed, and then the industrialist figured up a real good excuse, you know. And he said, I'm awfully sorry for such and such reasons. Uh, we can't keep you any longer. So he let, he let Carol go. Carol was heartbroken. She called her sister. She said, what in the world am I going to do? She said, I'm, I'm trying to pay off... Uh, uh, Sue's college and uh, all these other debts I have. And Naomi said, claim God's promises. God will never fail. He won't, he won't break his word. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Just trust the Lord. God is going to do something wonderful for you. She said, let's lay aside three days, I think it was, for special prayer. And we're going to claim promises for all we're worth. The Lord the Lord will respect our prayer. He'll respect our faith. He'll reward us. And you know what happened? 
she called her sister. Carol called her sister and she said, you know, another company that deals in the same merchandise as the man's company that fired me, they're going to take me on. And I'm going to get a bigger salary than before. I have more bonuses than I had before. And they said, well, praise the Lord. And, uh, and Sue's brother was so happy over it all that he said, I'm praising the Lord. He said, next Sabbath day, I'm going to put a $10 bill in the offering plate to express my appreciation of the Lord. And after he put the $10 bill in the offering plate, anybody can guess what happened? What would you like to guess happened? His mother lost the job. This industrialist sent a message over to the other company and, and gossiped and slandered Carol to such an extent that the man called her and he said, we won't need you. Then they went into prayer again. You see what we're trying to say? When you claim God's promises, don't think that the devil is dead. He will work, Satan will work like whom? Like the devil. That's right. And you know how he works? With all agility, cunningness, slander, gossip, anything to destroy a person's faith in the Lord. They prayed again and then again. <laughs> Carol called her sister, Naomi. She said, I have, a, I have a big problem now. I have an awful problem. Would you like to guess what it is? She had three jobs. All excellent paying jobs, all supervisory jobs. She said, I have three supervisory jobs offered. I don't know which one to take. And she said, and more than that, since these three have been offered, this very man, who is a competitor of the industrialist, and to whom the industrialist lied, he has called me now. And he wants me to come. And she said, he called me just a little ago, and he said, he said, I'll give you 30 minutes to decide whether you'll come into work for me. <laughs> they said, well, thank the Lord. Isn't that wonderful what the Lord will do for his children? Wonderful. God doesn't sleep, beloved. God keeps his word. Then she called her sister later and she said, you know, I didn't answer this man in the 30 minutes. She said, long, fairly late at night, maybe 9.30 or 10, she said, this man called again. The man who was not going to hire her because of the lies that were told about her and now wanted her, she said, when I answered, she said, just as he called, I was on my way to pick up the telephone to accept one of these other positions. And the telephone rang. I was just ready to put my hand on it. The telephone rang, and this man, the competitor of the industrialist, said, said, Carol, I told you to call me back in 30 minutes. You didn't do it. You be in my office to start work tomorrow morning at whatever time it was. She said, if he could have heard what I was saying under my breath, I was saying, praise the Lord. She said, the most wonderful position, a supervisory position. And she said, the man had finally learned that the industrialist whom, whom Sue would not marry was taking it out on her. Friends, uh, maybe I better tell you what's happened. Sue and Roy are our neighbors in Tennessee. <laughs> Roy is a beautiful dentist, <laughs> lives right near us. Somebody writes and says, are, you, are, are these true stories? They're as true as a neighbor to a neighbor can be. My friends, God is true. God means what he says. You and I have a right to reach right up and take hold of the hand of God and say, Lord, you promised me. You might want to, 
you might want to, to share with some loved ones of yours this statement that I have found in a book, the most unlikely book you could ever read. It's called Medical Ministry. And the Christian who wrote this book on medical ministry, right in the midst of a page, 244, wrote this statement to friends. It says, you're to go to the Lord in behalf of some soul that's in trouble. Maybe the soul is even frivolous. And you're to say, Lord, you have promised me, ask and you will receive. And then say to the Lord, I must have this soul converted to you. Don't you like that? You and I, my friends, have a right to take God at his word. He said, if any man see his brother sin a sin that's not unto death, we may ask and God will, God will give him life. What a wonderful Savior we have. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.